My name is Sarah Inglis, and I'm a certified integrative health coach. I help people thrive in their bodies and reclaim the health they've always wanted. Each week, I interview people who have a passion for health. You'll hear from health experts, farmers, herbalists, doctors, chefs, and many more. My hope is that they'll inspire us all to tune into our gut and notice how lifestyle and food impact us. Justina Perry is a doctor of physical therapy specializing in women's health and owner of Ocean Physical Therapy and Pelvic Health, located in New Bedford, Massachusetts. Justina graduated from the University of Massachusetts Amherst with a BS in kinesiology and earned a Doctor of Physical Therapy degree from Simmons University. She also earned a Pelvic Floor Practitioner Certification through the Herman and Wallace Pelvic Institute, where she has served as a Pelvic Floor Seminars Lab Teaching Assistant. Justina is dedicated to the treatment of pelvic pain, prolapse, sexual dysfunction, pregnancy and postpartum conditions, and bowel and bladder dysfunction. She is the founder also of Buy Black NB, which is an online platform dedicated to highlighting, discovering, and promoting Black-owned businesses in South Coast, Massachusetts. Since its launching in June 2020, Buy Black NB has connected consumers with over 100 local Black-owned businesses. Well, good morning, Justina. I am so excited to be speaking with you. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Hi, Sarah. It is an honor to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Uh, well, it's a pleasure. I just want to dive in first with a, um, a basic question. I'm sure it's a very basic question for you, but it's not so basic for me, who's not really intimately familiar with your work um, with the pelvic floor. So what is, what is meant by pelvic floor health and, and does it only pertain to women? I will start by answering your first question because that's a great, I think we'll get a, kind of a lay of the land and um, kind of start with the anatomy and we get a picture of what part of the body we'll be talking about today. So when we say pelvic floor, the pelvic floor muscles sit at the base of your pelvis and they're about the size of your two hands put together and they sling from your pubic bone in the front back toward your tailbone. They're made up of different layers of muscles. So you have the more superficial layer, which closes off your openings for women. It's the vagina, urethra, and the anus. And then the deeper layer of muscle, which pulls holds everything up in place and prevents things from falling out. So together, these muscles contract to prevent leakage of urine, gas, and stool, and they relax for urination and sexual pleasure, and they lengthen for babies and bowel movements. So very important functions. And just like other muscles, other skeletal muscles in your body, like your biceps, your hamstrings, you know, you can train them and they can become injured and weakened and painful, but they can also repair. Well, that's the good news, right? Yes. <laughs> and is it something that just makes me think, um, so is it just with age, they naturally uh, lose their, the muscles lose their strength? Or obviously with giving birth, I'm, I know that that's sort of traumatic for your body. I guess uh, that sounds negative, but 
a lot of stress would be a better way, right, uh, is put on those muscles. Yeah, we definitely experience with, with aging, increased incidence of pelvic floor dysfunction with each childbirth, with trauma or injury. That's where pelvic, pelvic floor physical therapists are key. Um, we, we are the specialists in this musculoskeletal and neuromuscular system around the pelvis. And as far as gender differences go, mm -hmm. in pelvic floor PT, we definitely see more women than men, but this is because pelvic floor dysfunction affects women at such higher rates than in men. Um, I happen to work exclusively with women in my practice. There's a study that I like to reference to really drive home this point um, because there's a major sex difference in pelvic floor dysfunction we see in the results of a study, a stress incontinence study by McLennan. And the data showed that 11% of women who've never given birth experience stress incontinence, while only 2.5% of men report stress incontinence. And then after the first pregnancy, this female prevalence rate rises to 37%. So um, women who've never given birth report stress incontinence four times more often than men. And then when we compare to women who've had one or even more pregnancies, there's more, it happens more than 14 times more often. So oh, definitely a wow. greater risk of pelvic floor dysfunction. But yeah, men have pelvic floor muscles just like women. Um, the most common diagnoses for men are uh, post-prostatectomy related incontinence and pelvic pain in various forms. So I suppose it could be that just their anatomy, I mean, their muscles, maybe, I don't know the answer to this, are different than, in generally speaking, than female muscles. I just remember looking at my son, I have four children and he's the youngest and thinking, oh my gosh, you are so strong at a young age. I know that's a stereotype, but it was true. It's like, whoa. Yeah, actually <laughs> the bulk of the pelvic floor muscles different. Some of the pelvic floor muscles are bulkier in men. Um, but I think it also has a lot to do with the uh, hormone changes um, in women through, you know, in and around pregnancy and then perimenopausal and, and, and mm. the effect of like changes in estrogen on connective tissue and our, our muscles, as well as we have an extra opening there. So the vaginal opening, um, it just makes it, there's, there's more vulnerability to the pelvic floor. We're more at risk for issues like prolapse where muscles can descend into the vagina. So I would add I would add those factors as well. Yeah, those sound pretty important. Yeah. <laughs> so how how did you I'm curious, how did you become interested to begin with in, in pelvic floor physical therapy? Oh yeah. So I um I graduated in twenty fourteen from Simmons University with a doctorate in PT, but my interest was peaked a couple of years before that. I was a first year in PT school. As a student, I had not thought of a specialty, maybe maybe pediatrics, just because at that time I was working in childcare and I hadn't committed to any specialty or anything in particular. We were really just learning like foundations, anatomy, physiology, and not special topics yet. So I had an opportunity to attend a conference. It's called CSM, it's a yearly conference, and it's hosted by the National Professional Association, stands for Combined Sections Meeting. And all the gurus are there. It's a whole weekend, 
there's presentations, there's lectures. And for me, it was a chance to see how many specialties there were and and you know, sat in on the sports medicine ones and the cardiopulmonary ones. And then there was this one, and you had to sign up for each you know lecture. So I was I saw one that was about bladder and pregnancy, you know, something like that. And I told my classmates, oh, you know, let's sign up for this one. And there was like a general cons- consensus, like, you know. <laughs> so I went to that one by myself. Nobody joined you. Nobody joined me. And I went um, to that one. And from there, the rest of the conference, I was like seeking out the women's health lectures because it was, you know, it was a room full of women, super passionate. The speaker was brilliant and it really lit a fire inside of me. And I just wanted to learn more about the topic. And I had a chance to have some women's health clinicals while I was in PT school and pursued on my own some shadowing. Um, and it was, it just all like affirmed my interest in like pursuing this specialty. So um, it was, it was in PT school actually, not in the classroom necessarily, but yeah, it, there wasn't, there wasn't like a lot of time allotted to pelvic health in the classroom. So, once I began my career and had an employer who would cover uh, continuing ed, and I had an amazing mentor, you know, eventually I earned the PRPC, which is a special designation for pelvic health physical therapists. And I made a switch from ortho, I was doing ortho and pelvic health up until 2019 when I devoted my practice to pelvic health. And I've been exclusively doing that since and I live and work in the New Bedford area and had been doing hospital-based outpatient um, for the past eight years until very recently in December opened my private practice, Ocean Physical Therapy. So that's kind of been my, my journey and becoming more and more focused and just continuing my passion for, for pelvic health. That's wonderful. I mean, that's very interesting that if I heard you correctly, you didn't learn that much about it in the classroom, but clearly I attended one of your workshops and clearly every single woman in that workshop, I think went up to you at the end of the class and said, oh, I have a question or yeah. I mean, has a need for it. So that's sort of interesting that, that it wasn't addressed more, but it's great, great that you chose to follow this path Do you feel overwhelmed with the thought of transforming your health? If the idea of creating a balanced diet, managing stress, and forming new sleep patterns stresses you out, don't worry, I am here to help. As an experienced integrative health coach, I can help you develop signature health strategies that work for your lifestyles and goals. After working with me, my clients have lost weight, improved their sleep, and reversed lifestyle diseases. I'm offering three free strategy sessions before the end of the month. Click the link in the description of this podcast to book yours today. So, because my passion, and I'm, and it's great to see how passionate you are about the topic because it is so important uh, from the little bit that I do know or have experienced personally about it. But my passion is is gut health and, whoa, they're all in the same area of the body. <laughs> and, I, and I have um, 
many clients who suffer from irregularity with their bowel movements or sometimes leakage or they're, you know, obviously interconnected. So what is the relationship between pelvic floor, maybe this isn't the right question to be asking, but pelvic floor dysfunction and gut health? Yeah, no, that's a good, that's a really good question because people come all the time for that specifically constipation or incontinence, like fecal incontinence, but it's not always how it goes. Sometimes bowel issues, they're not the primary reason that somebody comes in, but as we're screening and doing an intake, it it comes up like, yeah, that is a problem that I have and maybe um, hadn't discussed it before, hadn't been asked in that way. Maybe they come in for an issue with the bladder or something like pain with sex. And as we're talking through the history, learn that there are bowel issues that's super common but actually women are way more affected than men by issues like constipation incontinence and rectal pain one in five women over the age of 40 experience some version of fecal incontinence so it's also worsened around that perimenopausal time with those huge hormonal transitions so it's really exciting how we can affect continence with pelvic floor pt we also see how constipation is linked to low back pain, even more so than how active you are. Constipation, it's linked to prolapse. So we're teaching people what is normal, and that helps a lot. We do a lot of education. We're having those conversations in the treatment room about bowel habits. What's the consistency of your stool? How do you feel like, did you empty completely or not? And we're spending time going over a toileting position and working one-on-one on coordinating the pelvic floor with breathing and, and your abs. And then there's rectal pain, which responds really well to manual therapy and other non-invasive treatments that we do. There's a Vanderbilt study from back in 2001 um, that showed that when we're exposed to danger and threat, even before we blink and run away, the pelvic floor tenses up. So we know that any stress or anxiety, it will show up in the pelvic floor. So building awareness around the pelvic floor's muscles response and and that pattern, it's really, really empowering for, for people. Yes, the fight or flight response, right, has such a dramatic effect on our body. Oh, I have so many questions, actually. One question, just when you were talking about constipation and completely emptying when you're having a bowel movement. Uh, I'm wondering, your patients, are they aware of whether or not they have completely emptied? Sometimes people haven't thought of it before and we'll talk about it and they'll come back the next visit like, hey, I never noticed that I don't completely empty, but signs of that may be like not completely wiping clean after you have a bowel movement or having like fecal smearing afterwards. Like there was some stool still in there. Um, or feeling bloated after a bowel movement, those can be indicators that we're not having a full and complete bowel movement. We work on those things because having a complete bowel movement can, it, it impacts your quality of life so much to be able to release those toxins that are like building up in your body. And yeah, but not everybody is aware that they're having a complete bowel movement or, or takes the time to observe what their stool consistency is or, or how much effort they're putting in on the toilet. So they may say, no, I'm not constipated because 
you know, I go every day, but how is how is that happening? How long are we sitting? How much is coming out? Yeah, it's so great we're having this conversation <laughs> because I think sometimes people are surprised when they, even though I'm talking about gut health, that depending on their comfort level, but uh, I will launch in and encourage many to use the Bristol stool chart to track their bowel movements, oh, yes. which I tell them it gives you so much information yes. about your health. Um, Definitely. Yeah, and also we don't necessarily, if you are constipated, we don't necessarily want to to um, start with some diet changes, you know, add all those good foods until we're we're sure that you're okay in there. I mean, right? You're not backed up. Yeah, yeah monitoring yeah. your fiber intake, monitoring your your diet, what your pattern is on the toilet. So many folks are not actually sitting on the toilet or maybe are ignoring urges to have a ball movement. So when, when by the time we do go, the urge is diminished and, and there's consequences to kind of building those habits over time. You know, maybe it's something, do you think it's also something that's maybe cultural? Sure. To the United States, I, I, I was very fortunate. I lived in Asia for a while and there, of course, it's squat. I mean, yep. it's, it's such yep. a perfect, and which I quickly, I mean, I'd gone camping before, so I sort of knew that, but, but doing it like that on a daily basis, I thought, whoa, this is so much easier on my body. Yeah. This really is the natural position. Yeah. to eliminate and how we don't really, we've made ourselves really comfortable <laughs> with the toilets. And even the Japanese, they created like the ultimate luxurious toilet, you know, with heated seats and everything, mm -hmm. which is sort of ironic. But, mm -hmm. but um, yeah, I think borrowing some of those Eastern culture, we spend some time doing belly massage. And I know that's borrowed from Eastern cultures, but how, how that we could, how we can kind of stimulate digestion and the toilets in the U.S. are getting higher and higher, and we do that for handicap access and for mobility issues. Not everyone can get in a really low squat because of the, you know, cultural differences, and we don't spend a lot of time in the, those positions. Absolutely, I agree. Let me also go back to another thing that you said about hormonal changes, so especially for females. So that affects their the muscles in their pelvic floor? Sure. De-estrogenized tissue can become atrophied, weakened and lose blood flow and circulation. So as estrogen is depleted, you know, and, and it'll show up in different skeletal muscles in our body. Not It's not exclusive to the pelvic floor. Our muscles become weaker. And in particular, when the pelvic floor is atrophied, we may experience um, dryness as well, um, which can affect sexual function, our ability to hold waste in and keep our pelvic organs in position. So yeah, um, as estrogen is depleted, it can affect pelvic, pelvic health. So adding moisture to the vaginal tissue or consulting if you're appropriate for a hormonal supplementation, those types of things can, can slow that, that process. So I guess some of the signs to help our listeners, you know, some of the signs of pelvic floor dysfunction are maybe dryness, vaginal dryness, or lack of control mm -hmm. over your elimination. Yeah. You're saying even back pain could be a sign? 
Oh, sure. Yep. Definitely connected. And a lot of, a lot of people who may have gone for treatment for low back pain or pelvic pain or hip pain, we're finding as the pelvic floor is evaluated and treated and taken into account as, you know, the whole person, the results are different. So, and if I can go back a little bit, when we're talking about pelvic floor dysfunction, I I want to I want to define what that might be. It's it can be overactivity of the pelvic floor. The muscles have too much activity. It can be not enough activity in the pelvic floor, or it can be discoordinated, inappropriate coordination of the pelvic floor muscles. So, examples of how that would apply for each. If your muscles have increased activity, symptoms may look like overactive bladder, painful sex, constipation. If your muscles have lower activity, you may experience issues with incontinence or pelvic organ prolapse, organs falling out. And then those who have uncoordinated pelvic floor muscles can experience difficulty emptying the bowel or bladder, like feel like they have to strain or even they're unable to achieve orgasm. And if they're one is, you can't have, you could have more than one issue. But more often we're, we're seeing this after childbirth, after surgeries like hysterectomy, definitely more presence of this with, with obesity, but throughout the lifespan, right? So we have people who have pelvic floor dysfunction and maybe it's, it's not showing up until pregnancy or, or later, later in life addressing it. But, but yeah, throughout, throughout a woman's lifespan, there can be di- different points where these problems arise. Cancer treatment, wow. yeah, chemotherapy. Yeah. Do you find this information helpful? Is there a certain topic you'd like us to cover? Leave us a comment and review about what you'd like to hear. So it just sounds like lots of times you might have, um, like I've, I remember being surprised, but then not surprised. I've had some issues with my hips, and I thought, actually, I think this is more my pelvic floor. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, the lack of strength. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so, so great to know. Because then I'm guessing you empower your patients with, exercises possibly or yeah yeah so doing with, your we own can magic I- on them yeah yeah <laughs> if we can identify let's say which hip muscle is involved like if we're talking about the muscle obturator internus which shares attachments with the hip and the pelvic floor we may address that by first working on stretching and flexibility before you know doing lots of kegels and strengthening that muscle so if we're finding spasm or tension over that overactivity in the pelvic floor, we would hold off on doing lots of Kegels and in strengthening that muscle until we can help it to achieve like that normal resting tone. In addition to, you know, using stretches or strengthening exercises, is do diet and lifestyle play a role in improving or or creating health in your pelvic floor? Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. The goal of physical therapy is, is, as you said, to empower people to take what they're learning here and incorporate it into their life long-term. So these are exercises, lifestyle modifications that can help with the health and wellness of, of the pelvic floor for, for years. And then sometimes people need 
like a tune-up, you know, and, you know, maybe they had an illness or, you know, something that new symptoms that are presenting and we kind of revisit and, and review what the homework is and kind of update them. You know, the more you talk, Justina, it seems like I was taught by my, I guess, my OBGYN to do Kegel exercises after I gave birth. But it seems like it should be a topic of conversation that when you have your yearly checkup, that that they should be asking a woman about so you're aware of, oh, you know, maybe I, maybe I could use some, you know, you're often referred to, let's say, for my for things that were going on with my hip to a physical therapist who deals with hips or people who've had a hip replacement or whatever, right? But um, are, are general, are internists aware? I mean, do you get referrals from internists? Yes, I would say locally there are some real strong supporters of pelvic floor PT. And then there are some uh, medical providers that don't put a lot of stock in it that, um, you know, but the evidence is there. It's a gold standard for um, stress incontinence, for small prolapses, and it can help people to prevent or defer surgery, avoid medications. So um, I would say we do have some common referrers local providers, urologists, GYNs, and primary care physicians. But I think having that conversation with a, with your provider, um, and if it's not being recommended for you and you have pelvic floor symptoms, then I, I would encourage I would encourage everyone to have that have that conversation. It's also very underserved. There aren't a lot of pelvic floor physical therapists uh, throughout the country, but in, you know in our in our region. So um, that could be a reason why the referrals aren't happening from everyone. But yeah, definitely looking to change that. And um, I'm passionate about spreading the word that there's hope. Yeah, because it, it's something that affects your daily life if yes. you're experiencing stress or problems in that area. Yes. Gee. I was going to ask you, what do you want women to know yeah. about pelvic health? but. I, is there something else you want to add? Because I just think this is such powerful information to share. Yes, definitely. I want women to know that there are so many ways that you can live better by having a pelvic health PT as part of your care team. I want people to know that they're not alone. Studies, uh, a study by Nygaard et al. found that a quarter of women in the U.S. have at least one pelvic floor dysfunction, and that was in women below the age of 80, because we know it goes it goes up with age. So, while I understand that there can be embarrassment about these conditions, there's good news that there's conservative management, um, and it can it can help your quality of life. So, if it's if it's affecting you, like your um, afraid to travel or go too far from the bathroom, if you are avoiding intimacy or spending lots of money on padding or or not not exercising because of bladder or bowel issues or pelvic pain, um, I, want, I want women to know that a healthy pelvic floor can be part of your your fitness and wellness goal and you'll likely see how these symptoms can improve. 
I think that's a very gentle way of making people <laughs> want to walk through your door, thinking of it. Come on in. Because it is a fitness and wellness goal, mm -hmm. you know? I mean, they're muscles, just like going to the gym. This is just a different kind of gym. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. So I'm, I'm wondering, before I ask you this last question, if people want more information, because I know we've just touched the tip of the iceberg here mm -hmm. with this short conversation, and they want to learn more about the work that you do, what, where should they go? Well, they could definitely check out our website, oceanpt.com, to learn more about our services, booking appointments, which you can do conveniently online. Um, sign up for our newsletter. We only send it out quarterly. It's, it's you know, nothing too much, but just sharing tips and education. We are Ocean PT on Instagram and Facebook. So I would, I would check us out there. I also have free phone consults. So 15-minute phone call if you want to, you know, run things by a pelvic health physical therapist. That could be a good way to start. Oh, that's a great way to start, I think, for people who just want to dip their toe in the water so yep. what, what's possible or just to get them thinking, oh, that's a wonderful, wonderful offer. And I know that because I attended one of them, you, that you have a workshop coming up, right? The end of yes. January. You, yes. Thank you for coming you to that, that workshop. Because yeah, that was so great. I learned so much. Good. I loved being in your company and with the other women who were really receptive to learning about pelvic floor and how we were integrating yoga in pelvic floor. So that's, um, we're continuing that because we've sold out the first two that we did. So the next one will be January 28th. It's from 1 to 3.30 at Sangha yoga studio in New Bedford along I, I'm co-teaching with Nancy Winterhalter and I think it's I think it's a fantastic way to to invest a little time in learning about your pelvic floor in a group of of people who are also curious so if if you could if you could go back 20 years what health advice would you give to your younger self so that would mean I'd be 14 yeah. You're so young. <laughs> and and smart. <laughs> thank you. Wise. Um, I really believe that connecting with your younger self is a process and I'm I'm on this journey. It's ongoing. Um I've done actually a lot of inner child work over the last year, so I'll kind of speak to that a bit because I do think around this age is kind of when I begin to suppress a lot of my own magic and uniqueness and um so for me, I would encourage myself to, to build a relationship with a therapist sooner. And I started psychotherapy a handful of times in my life, starting as a teenager and through my 20s after different traumas in my life. But it was never um, more than two or three visits. I'm not sure. I'm not sure why, um, if it wasn't a good fit or if, you know, they didn't recommend that I continue much longer. So, but I think that would have been really helpful to start that healing journey sooner. And it wasn't until recently that I 
built a relationship with a therapist who I feel seen and been able to continue longer than a couple of visits. But yeah, I think, you know, as I'm, I'm reading right now, fi finally reading The Body Keeps Score, and it talks about how your nervous system's response and, you know, making the connection to even like relationships that we have and how that affects our well-being. So I'm enjoying reading that and um, how it, it really does a good job of tying in our muscles and all of our systems and how we trap that stress inside. So, you know, I talk about about that because I had I had really great influences and you know my mom's a nurse and we went to all of our appointments all the preventative care all of the vaccines and all of the you know I got really good sex education advice so I'm grateful for that I think my traditional understanding and um I've continued continued those habits of keeping all of my dental appointments and preventative maintenance and things like that and um so I you know feel like I, I might have missed some lessons in the importance of kind of um, that mental health. And so I would I would go back and encourage my younger self to find a therapist that um, I could continue a longer term with. So that would be my my advice. Oh, that's great. Thank you so much for being so authentic and sharing that. I I really appreciate that, Justina. I see, you know, with gut health so much of, you know, your emotional, their, your emotional health is so intricately tied in to your gut health. Absolutely. Which is intricately connected to your overall well-being. Yeah, that's just, it's all, it's all interconnected, right? It's all yes. integrated. <laughs> um, yes, Sarah, I'm finding that personally and, you know, applying what I've learned, but also personally in my journey too. Well, I've enjoyed very much speaking with you. Thank and you. And I look forward to following up with you too. Yeah, thank you for having me and um, introducing your audience to me and my uh, my new practice. And it's it's truly been an honor. You're going to be phenomenally successful because you're fulfilling such an important need. So thank you for serving all the females on the South Coast. <laughs> For over 25 years, I was a teacher, and one of my greatest joys in life is seeing people light up when they have an aha moment. It is pure magic. I've now combined teaching with my knowledge of health into live workshops. I teach throughout the country about gut health and how to transform your health. If you'd like to know when I'll be in your city, subscribe to my newsletter in the description of this podcast.